So Money, episode 791, Ask Farnoosh with special co-host, you know him, Joe Saul Sihai. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everyone. October 5th, 2018. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for coming back. You know, I think we should give you credit for that because that's a huge commitment to be able to come back to a podcast recurringly. I know there's a lot of options out there and you've chosen this to be one of your tops. So I'm really grateful for that. And uh, we're approaching episode 800. I just actually recorded episode 800 in advance and it felt really bizarro to be this far into a podcast. But I think um, all signs are pointing to another 800. But in the run up to that, I've been asking listeners to really give me feedback. Like, what do you want this show to evolve into, become, switch over to? Is there a so money, uh, I don't know, um, baby that you want me to hatch uh, from this podcast? Something that goes maybe a little in a different direction. This is going to be a special Ask Farnoosh. We have a lot of questions, as always, to tackle about how to manage your finances when you have a special needs child to working with a financial advisor. And how about those 0% financing offers for new cards? If you're curious about any of this stuff, hang on. We've got some answers. But first, I want to bring on our friend of the show. He's a fellow podcaster, host of Stacking Benjamin's podcast, Joe Saul. See hi. Welcome. Welcome, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me back, Farnoosh. Of course. Very exciting on your end. You're in the midst of a three-city tour, the Stacking Benjamins tour. You're taking your podcast on the road. Tell me about it. And I also want to know why. Why are you doing this? Well, you know, we've always had our show has this, uh, I don't know if it's morning radio vibe or if it's a late night TV like uh, the Tonight Show kind of vibe. But as a lot of segments, it moves pretty quick. And people have told us, they're like, you know, this this would be great as as a live show. And people have been telling us that for a while. So we we uh, started talking to the improv in Orlando and in Kansas City. And if you would have told me that I was going to play the improv in Orlando or Kansas City back even a year ago. I would have said, what? What are you talking about? But man, Orlando happened. It was fantastic. And now we're headed to Kansas City, Missouri on the 9th, just a few days from now. And then in two weeks and one day after that, we're going to Detroit, fabulous Ferndale, just north of Detroit, where we'll be at the Go Comedy Improv Theater in Ferndale. And uh, and I can't I can't wait. Tickets are 10 bucks and we're going to do the show live. We've got other shows that are opening for us in Kansas City. Joel Goldberg, who is is the guy that does the pregame show and the after show for the Kansas City Royals games. He has a business podcast called Rounding the Bases. He's going to open for us and uh, we're going to talk about fintech on our show. There's a big fintech conference going on in Kansas City when we're there. In Detroit, uh, uh, Seth Ressler and his uh, team from the Debrief podcast are going to be our opening act. And then on our show, amidst you know the other crazy stuff we always do on an average Stacky Benjamin show, we're going to have uh, Shannon 
Kaysen speak. And I don't know, have you ever seen Shannon Kaysen speak or heard him speak, Farnoosh? He's a guy that does snap judgment and he's been on uh, The Moth a lot. Hmm. I don't think I've heard of his name, but he sounds cool. He tells some of these great stories. One of my favorite stories Shannon has ever told is is when he was managing a bake branch inside of a grocery store and he had a gambling problem unbeknownst to anyone who worked there. And one day he's filling the ATM machine with money and he realizes living in Detroit, there's casinos downtown. He can just fill his pockets with this money, borrow it in his terms for a little bit, turn it into more and then put it back. I mean, what's wrong with that? Right. And, uh, I, I won't spoil it. You can go online and see the rest of that story, but this guy has won so many awards for his storytelling and we can't wait to talk to him live. That's cool. So if I'm not able to go, but I'm listening to the show, uh, what's it going to feel and sound like? Are we going to, is it going to be like a traditional Stacking Benjamins episode or are you going to incorporate some of this improv and some of this other variety? Well, you did some improv training, didn't you? I took a six week comedy class. Yes. Com- yeah. Stand up comedy. No, well, it's still, uh, I mean, trying to do that is just amazing to me. And we're going to do some very much some stuff that you have to be in the room to get, uh, at the, the beginning show in Orlando, as an example, you know, my co-host OG certified financial planner that we just referred to as the other guy, uh, he couldn't figure out where the room was. And so me and our special co-host, uh, Chris Costello from bloom had to go out to the parking lot partway through the show and go get him and, uh, brought him in, in the paper bag and then the paper yeah. bag came off. And of course he had a ski mask under the paper bag and, uh, you know, mom calls in partway through the show. Uh, so different things that we can't do because it's all just audio, a lot of sight stuff. I can't wait to have that happen. And we, we've got live music at each of them. Uh, Tracy Phobes, who is, is the petty pension mom, uh, in Kansas city, her son is 11 years old and is a guitar phenom and he's he's going to be our stacky benjamin's band i love it city it's going to be so fun i think we need more shows like yours and this this uh, sort of variety setup that you've created it's so cool i went to a show last night called sweet which is seth herzog this comedian in new york who's been doing the same show called sweet comedy act for every week for 14 years Oh my goodness. But every time you go, it's different. He's got different, he always performs, but he also, it's a true, it's like all these people as friends, like he'll have famous headliners. Like I went last night and was a David Cross from Arrested Development was there. And, um, um, Michael Ian Black, who's been on this podcast was the, his his, his, like co-host was really funny. And then he had a little band of of one guy was from the roots because, uh, actually, um, Seth who runs sweet is, uh, works for gosh, the, the late show with, um, you know, the famous guy that really went the, the SNL guy, the, the, uh, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Fallon. Hello. <laughs> um, that um, guy, that guy with the show and the famous, yeah, you know, that show. does the thing. So Seth has been a long-running comedian, but um, I thought that the the experience of being in the audience, of kind of getting all these different flavors of comedy from straight up stand up to then there was some sketch comedy, and then there was like 
He brought his mom on stage, actually. So Uh-oh. you should go to one of these sweet shows in New York every week. And um, I don't know, maybe you guys can exchange notes or something. But I think you're onto something there. That's what I'm saying. Well, here, here's what I'm hoping, Farnoosh. I'm hoping that if this goes as well as it seems to be going, next year we expand it. And uh, we'd love to do New York next year and have you on the show live. I'd That'd- love it. I'd love it. I could test my little Persian mom accent. <laughs> a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I'm working on some material. <laughs> we'll have you do what, like five minutes, I think is a long time for a stand up comedian. I got is an it? act. I got a five minuter. There you go. Don't make me do six minutes, though. I'll I'll totally like <laughs> it'll be crickets. I don't know. Stop at five. I promise. Like We're not going to throw you up the bus. Yeah, um, we won't. Five minutes. Just bring out the big cane. <laughs> we'll have the big gong like they had on that old oh, show. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so, well, congratulations on this. I know your show, you're one of the early podcasters, especially in the f- financial space. You've really evolved it well. And even more recently, you have b- developed a cast off of the Stacking Benjamin show, which is uh, like a five minute show where you're sort of reviewing the financial news of the day. Tell us about that show. I like that. Yeah, it's called Money in the Morning, and uh, we do it live in front of a Facebook audience, uh, which scares the heck out of me. But it's cool because then you don't, you know, I don't worry about editing it. I I just have to really worry about what I say and get it right the first time. But a lot of shows out there, there are shows where they'll read you blog posts or they'll read you the news. That's fine. That's cool. I like knowing kind of what we should think about it, you know, and not from a political point of view, more from a, okay, they're talking about 401k plans and people aren't putting enough money in. What does that really mean to me? You know, or, or the housing market is tightening. So what does that mean? What should I think about that with my financial plan? What are some things I should worry about? So we do that uh, live on our Facebook page and it's uh, facebook.com forward slash I stack Benjamins. And I don't have a set time for it. Farnoosh, I just, I just, you know, when we have time in the middle of the day, Richie, our producer and I were like, all right, let's, let's uh, we pull got out our, the newspaper. Yeah. We got our headlines. We got two and let's fire it up. So you'll find us there at random times. I have another uh, suggestion is that when you do this, maybe get the transcript and turn it into an email because I think one thing that's missing from the email landscape and, you know, email is kind of making a comeback. These like the skim and all these other, um, uh, sort of like n- new companies that are making all this money is actually a financial newsletter or call it what you want, like an email, a digest that you get every so often, a week, every week, every two days, maybe you can choose the frequency, but it's basically, here's the news that's in, that's happening now that that's, that matters for you as, as it pertains to your financial plan and why, like really simple though, doesn't get into like all the details, but just kind of the overview and like, you know, there's bitcoins back in the news, like here's yeah. my two cents on that. So I think that would be, if you're already doing it, like just get the transcript and write around it and send it out. Cause people would love to read that stuff. I'd love to read it. I was going to say, thank you. Give me one more thing I should put out. Yeah. I'm just making your life busier. You're welcome. <laughs> We got six podcasts a week going. I'm going on tour across oh America. My gosh. Hey, Joe, you know what you should do? No, I'm joking. Yeah, yeah. no, no. I mean, if, if it's, it's, I don't think it'll be a lot of work. You know, you just, it's, you're already doing it. Just get the transcript and then. You're uh, right. 90% of the work's already done. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, that'd be really valuable. You can monetize that for sure. There it, it is. It, Farnoosh always helping me. Just trying to make you make more Benjamins. Make more Benjamins. Amen. Oh, you know what I forgot? I forgot to tell people where they can go for the tour. 
Please stackjudgments.com forward slash tour. And it'll show you all the names that are on every show. I think in Orlando, we had 18 different people on the show. Our show is very, a lot of different segments, a lot of different people. Wow. I think we have, we'll have 12 to 15 probably on in Kansas city and in Detroit. Very cool. And we'll put that on our site as well. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash tour. All right. Ready to help some folks out. I can't wait. These all are right. going to be fun. And I know you are a planner, right? You have a certification. I used to be. I used to be be a financial planner. I was a financial planner for 16 years. Mm -hmm. I was also a a media spokesperson for the financial planning division inside of American Express and then Ameriprise uh, for a while when I was there. But I've been out of that business and more doing financial media for the last 10 years. So, uh, but, but. But still very, very capable. I, I helped about 200 families retire. You know, most of us will do that once I helped. I didn't count the number of kids I helped get through college. Uh, well help their parents plan for their college. Mm-hmm. Uh, I help lots of people. We're going to talk about buying a car today Yeah, at a lot, help people score bigger raises at work. So yeah, done that a lot, a lot, a lot. All right. Well, it's speaking of buying a car. Our first question is from Bri- Brianna on Instagram, and she wants to know our thoughts on 0% financing offers for new cars. She feels like there's got to be a catch. Well, the catch, I think, and tell me if if you agree, is that the catch is, is that 0% financing is usually used when uh, cars aren't selling or when a certain uh, type of car isn't selling. So it's a way for the company to move cars off the lot. So I have to wonder about a few things. Number one, if it's a car that's not selling that well, why isn't it selling that well? And maybe it's just systemic. There have been times when everything out of Detroit and everything from Europe and Asia just isn't selling new cars aren't selling. But if it's only on certain models, what does that mean about that model? So you want to do your homework ahead of time. I think also sometimes with this 0% financing, there's still fees. There's loan origination fees. There might be processing fees. But the biggest issue of all, I think, comes with just buying a new car off the lot. I mean, the biggest depreciation is when that baby rolls off the lot, you're losing lots and lots and lots of money there. You also have to remember that these types of offers typically go to those people with the best credit. So it's 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 a possible offer, but it's contingent on your credit review. And so, um, you know, that's uh, that's something that you also need to just FYI. It's not going to go. It's not for everybody. Yeah. If you're buying a new car, I like some of these services that are out there now, like True Car, where they'll pit different dealers against each other. And you'll end up getting uh, you'll end up getting a much better deal because you'll find that maybe one dealer uh, gives you this wonderful deal. The other dealer doesn't. And when I did this, we did buy a new car a couple of years ago. We saved so much money, probably close to 15 percent off Mm. the sticker price of the car. And the way that this worked was, was that there was one, one uh, car dealer who gave us this phenomenal deal. All I did, I cut and pasted that deal and I emailed it to the other person who had sent me an offer. And I said, well, here's what your competitor has. And that competitor said to me, well, there's no way that's a real deal. They probably didn't have this. They didn't have this other thing. Ask them if that's all in. So I just took their words. I, I didn't have to get angry. I didn't have to be a great negotiator. All I did was cut and pasted that, forwarded it to the other person. Person wrote me back and said, nope, that's all in. Wrote back to the, to the other dealer. And the dealer said, give me give me a couple hours and we'll see if we can match it. I wanted to work with the second person because that dealership was closer to my house and 
I knew that their service department was really good. And it was a car that Cheryl, my spouse was going to be driving. And I wanted to make sure that she wasn't going to be stuck someplace, you know, um, without a, without a reliable ride. And so, um, uh, sure enough, they came back and they said, well, uh, uh, we're going to match this deal and, uh, we'll even do the deal at your kitchen table that will brought the car to us, did the deal at the kitchen table was fantastic. It's going to be harder and harder to convince people to buy cars in the future. So I think that that's a good, that's good news. If you are someone who is in the market to buy a car, um, with, with the advent of things like car sharing and even like, you know, we used to say leasing was like the worst bit of financial was it the worst financial move ever? But I looked to someone like my parents and, you know, they um, don't drive around too much and they don't really do a lot of wear and tear on their cars. They like having a new car every few years because they don't want to deal with the maintenance and the repairs and all of that. They're older. Um, you can get some really great deals on leases now. And they, I, we did the math. I'm like, if you actually got a car and had it for 10 years and did all the payments and all of the maintenance and everything else, it's, it netted out to be a little bit more actually than leasing the kinds of cars they're leasing, you know? And so sometimes leasing works out better than buying depending on your goals. And I think increasingly as purchasing cars becomes not people's flavor, you know, they just kind of want to like either use public transportation, people are moving closer to metropolitan parts of the country where there is public transportation, again, Ubers of the world. Um, I think that uh, dealerships are going to be more prone to negotiating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. You're looking at a Detroit that has completely changed from one that really didn't want to bend and didn't want to be involved with uh, the, 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 the car sharing movement and the gig economy to now you look at companies like Ford and General Motors behind some of these companies like Maven um, right back there helping car sharing happen more. So we're seeing a big change with the U.S. based companies along with everybody else. It's very interesting, very interesting sector to watch. But in the meantime, Brianna, you know, I think to echo Joe, just be really sure that this is a car that is for you and not to be completely blinded by the 0% offer because any, even if you have a deal with some interest, you could negotiate that given in the climate right now that we're in. Do you do the 0% offer, Farnoosh, if you have the money already? Like, let's say you could pay cash yeah. for the car. Do you take the 0% instead? Well, that's a really good question. I feel as though it depends on your cash flow situation and what maybe are some other um, things going on in your life. So if you um, would rather have that money accessible to you and you do the 0% and then you, you know, with, with the 0%, you know, quote unquote loan, you can pay it off with basically without paying any interest. And so it's just a payment plan. I, I would, I would almost do that instead of putting all my cash into what you also described as a depreciating asset, right? right. Yeah. Uh, I, I sort of feel that. I mean, to be, I think listeners know by now, I've talked about it a couple times at least, that I have a car loan that I'm choosing not to pay off in, in its entirety right like early because the interest rate is really low. And so my reward for putting all this cash into the loan today to pay it off is like $500. Right. Yeah. That's the savings. I'd rather be liquid. Yeah. You know, I'd rather, I mean, I don't foresee a situation where I'm going to have to like default on my car loan, but (laughs) 
I don't know these days, you know, like there's just so many <laughs> external factors that are out of our control. The world is a scary place, Joe. <laughs> we work in financial media. Who knows what's coming next? I don't know. Right. Um, I mean, people do say some scary things sometimes. So I just didn't feel like the payoff, the reward was as int- like as enticing as, oh, wow, I can actually have that money sitting in my bank account. I'm with you though. And to your point, it's a little bit of a know thyself, right? I mean, if, if, if you can set that money aside and have that money pay the, the car down much more slowly at a 0% and have it actually earn a few bucks and stay liquid and if you have emergency, do that. Yeah. But if you're somebody who has trouble making those payments in a timely manner, you know, start off by paying cash for the car. Yeah. Good points. Yeah. All right. So this question hits home for you. I think she, um, M Schwartz on Instagram wants to know thoughts on hiring a financial advisor. You know, these days there are a lot of options. You could work with an individual. You could also work with something like a robo advisor, an online tool that, or you could do something that's a hybrid, but she's just like, not really sure how to make the, the choice. Um, and her last question is, is it all a waste of money? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and as you and I both know, it could be a waste of money. Sure. And hiring the wrong financial advisor could be a monster waste of money. But here's here's the way that I look at it. Uh, uh, I have advisors in every area of my life that, uh, that I don't have time to focus on. I don't have time to focus on everything. And I also have advisors that are people that think about the world differently than me. As an example, my business coach is somebody who is not a personal friend of mine and probably, uh, won't be because, and she's been my, my business coach for 15 years, but, but she looks at the glass as half empty all the time. I always look at the glass as about three quarters full. And and, and she always has my back. And when I was a financial planner and I worked with people, I was surprised how the more successful I became as an advisor, the more I attracted people that could do this themselves, but they really wanted somebody to be the babysitter. Now, there are people out there that say, nobody cares about your money more than you. And I totally agree with that. So you need to keep listening to so money. You should continue to educate yourself. You should know how this stuff works. You can't abdicate it by handing it to somebody else, but hiring somebody to teach you which pieces are the pieces you really should be paying attention to and which pieces you shouldn't. And then also somebody to maybe help you set up the milestones and avoid some of the stumbling blocks and looking at the world differently than you. I think that's, I think that's great. I think if you find that person, it's fantastic. Online tools, robo-advisors don't do that service. They're really, I think the term robo-advisor is a misnomer. I, I think they should have called it online investing platform because it really, a robo-advisor doesn't advise you, doesn't say, hey, Farnoosh, I think you're stepping in it. You should do that differently. You know, <laughs> here's what I'd recommend. Um, and a lot of financial planners use robo-advisors to do that part of the business that really is a commodity, the investing part, uh, getting easier all the time. So um, it depends on your ability to take, uh, to, to, to take, um, I, I don't know if criticism is the right word or to have somebody point you in a direction you weren't thinking of your ability to, to hear advice. If you 
work well with somebody that can give you advice that you might not agree with, uh, but still, you know that they're on your team, then hiring a person can be a big win. But abdicating your money and just handing it over to a financial advisor who promises to get you high returns, which no good advisor is ever going to do, they're going to tell you they're going to help you figure out how to do this better and more succinctly. Uh, That's probably the wrong person. Right. And I think your goals matter too. If you're just looking to fill that investment variable, you're trying to kind of address the, how to best invest. Uh, let few, I feel like fewer people are going to advisors for that aspect. And if they are, maybe they should know about things like, you know, index funds and robo advisors where they can just kind of get in on the cheap, on the, well, cheaply, more cheaper, more cheap. More cheaper? I think it's it's be more cheaper. Be more cheaper. (laughs) But yeah, I think uh, even financial advisors will say like, I'm here to help you with all of your goal setting and your planning. And I know our planner, when we worked with her in the beginning of our marriage, she was instrumental in identifying the holes in our, for example, like insurance plans and also extrapolating our savings to show how much you know we would have in retirement and what we needed to do to reverse engineer our financial goals for retirement all that great worth every penny also it was great to have a mediator you know if you're a couple looking for financial advice great to have someone in the middle to kind of be a buffer I I love that Cheryl and I have a separate advisor not because I don't know what I'm talking about but because she's heard my stuff a million times and we can talk each other into anything mm-hmm. I, I love that idea of, of of having an outside person I think that's I think that's absolutely huge it's very helpful but you got to your point it's got to be the right person so do your due diligence, talk to friends and colleagues, especially people that have a similar setup as you. If they, if you're a family with kids, also talk to other families with kids. Who's your advisor? Do you like this person? And, and take some time to do those interviews. But certainly there are a lot of online tools as well. First step though, is just educate yourself on what it is that you need what are the opportunities out there to fill those needs? And in some cases, yeah, working with a human being is the best way to accomplish it, but you have to kind of just know yourself and your goals first. And, um, and like you said, Joe, like what's your, what are your tendencies? Yeah. Yeah. Two, two things I'll point to. Number one is ask the financial advisor how they're paid, because even though your advisor might be a very nice person, no matter how they're paid, you usually want to opt for what's called a, a fee only advisor, meaning that they, that they only take a, 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 a set fee. So you know what the fees are upfront, what you're getting, and they're not working from just a set pool of product and you're paying them commissions pretty much to be a commission salesperson who's going to shove their product on you. I have known some commission people who are great, but generally I want a fee only advisor. The second piece is you want to look up these people and most advisors you'll find on the FINRA website and FINRA is kind of the, the, the police of financial advisors in the financial industry, they have a, they have a segment of their website called broker check and you can go in there and you can look at their broker check record and you'll see complaints. You'll see problems that they might have. And those will give you some clues if the person really is on the up and up. It's like the true car. Yes, CFPs. Ex- exactly. Right. You like how I did that? Consumer reports. Exactly. Yeah. Um, great advice. So good luck to you on your, um, your journey to get more advice. And as always, you can check out Stacking Benjamin, So Money, so many other podcasts for free to get more insights. Okay, Gracie on Instagram wants to know, 
She, this is a cool question, Joe. I think we can really relate to this. She wants to know how to begin her career, starting her career in the personal finance world. So over the last few months, she's had this desire to spread financial literacy and awareness to people close to her. And that has sparked an interest within the personal finance world. She's currently a financial planner, but in the retail industry for a great company, wants to know how to make more of an impact. And that brings her back to personal finance. She likes working with numbers. She likes serving people and especially in the financial awareness space. So her question is, how do I kind of become more of an expert and a, and a and service-driven person in the personal finance world? She knows that she'll eventually have to step down in her career to do this. But what are some good first steps? I think she should go to FinCon. I, I, oh, that's a great place to go. Great idea. Uh, great conference with a lot of money nerds. And it's funny, when I was a financial planner, I would go to industry conferences and they were all button up, uh, kind of boring, actually. And then I go to FinCon for the first time and I realized I'm completely overdressed. I'm way, I'm way too, I'm, I'm acting, I'm expecting something way too conservative, I guess, because you have all these people that aren't doing this because of the fact that it pays money or they're not looking for the best ROI on their business. Nope. These are people that just love talking about money, talking about financial independence, talking about paying off debt early. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great, that's great advice. Yeah, and we just finished the this year's FinCon wrapped in late September, but the next one, well, I don't know when the next one is. It's kind of too early. Maybe they've announced it, but you can go to finconexpo.com and learn about what it is and get a pass and I'll probably be there as well. Joe will be there in 2019, so we'll hopefully see you there. But in the meantime, yeah, look at I think um just really explore the space. There's so many great people doing great things, whether they're bloggers, vloggers, podcasters, a lot of financial planners and uh, advisors like you who, whether they're on the retail side or wh- wh- however they're currently functioning in that, in that capacity, they are transitioning into personal finance and they are straddling maybe both worlds for now, And they, but they have a blog or they have a podcast. So maybe it's that you just want to start to really create your own personal, I would start with a pen and paper really, and just write down like, what are your tenets when it comes to personal finance? Like what are the convictions that you have about money that you feel are either unique to you and maybe they're also the convictions that others share, but you think are really, really important that not enough people know about and that you want to be known for you know, as, as a thought leader and as an, and as an advice giver in this space, like really figuring out what is your shtick to, so to speak, you know, like what do you believe in In what parts of personal finance do you want to concentrate on? Do you want to be a generalist? Do you want to just talk about retirement? Do you just want to talk about family planning? Do you want to maybe help uh, people get out of debt specifically? You don't have to pick a niche, but I think that helps in the beginning to nicheify so that people can find you faster because, you know, people are looking for help online. They're looking for very specific problems. No one's like, I need financial help. And some do, but they are like, I need to get out of student loan debt or I want to buy a house or I need to retire early. And that's how they identify some of their, um, you know, their people, like these people like that you want to become um, through those searches. So think about it that way. I think that could be a good strategy. But I've- just, yeah, go ahead. 
Well, I also thought, too, that that she might not need to completely transition. She said she's a a financial planner now. When Mm -hmm. I was working with American Express and then with Ameriprise, I was somebody doing financial planning with part of my time. And the rest of my time, I was doing local television in Detroit. I did a radio show in Detroit. I would go and and uh, and speak to at different companies like Chrysler and Microsoft and IBM about how to do things. So I was doing some of the things that Gracie's talking about on one hand. And on the other hand, I also got to keep my head down in the trench with individual families, which also was pretty rewarding, you know, seeing somebody reach their goal. So depends really on what Gracie's goal is, but I was also thinking, Farnoosh, that maybe, you know, she doesn't need to throw out the whole career she's doing now to go into a new one if there's still a lot of the piece of what she's doing now that she likes. Exactly. Yeah. Don't, uh, you don't have to abandon. It's not, they're not mutually exclusive. They can very yeah. much well work in, in, in concert. Yeah. But FinCon still is a great place. Gotta to see go. The, yeah. That other side. No yeah, brainer. All right. Last but not least, an important question from our listener, Jonathan. He writes on Facebook that he wants to know how to best plan for a child with special needs. He's not sure what besides, I think it's called an, he wrote an ABLE account. Is that a disability account? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what, maybe there was a part of the word was cut off there, but uh, he and his, he's not sure what basically what he and his wife should be doing. And he's already, um, we already have a special needs trust set up as well, he said. And I, I would think, Joe, that if he got a trust set up, that maybe he worked with someone who was a, kind of familiar with special needs trusts. And maybe that person knows a financial planner Yeah, in uh, this I, space. They all, a lot of them work together. I'm, I'm completely with you on this one. When I was a financial planner, this was a really niche, well, still is a really niche area of financial planning. And whenever anyone would, if Jonathan had come into my office, I would have helped him find somebody that works specifically in that niche. And I would make sure that anybody who he works with isn't somebody that just smiles and nods and goes, yeah, okay, yep, I can help. No, 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 no. I want a specialist in that area because there's so many uh, uh, possibilities for government government benefits, for uh, help in different states. Um, And and it's so specialized that I think uh, I would turn to whoever that was, to your point, that helped him set up the special needs trust. Yeah, probably uh, an attorney of some kind. But a lot of these folks, it's a small world. You know, when I had a financial planner, she had her um, satellite team of experts, whether it was like, you got to go to this lawyer or you go to this insurance person, you know, she had her team. And of course I vetted them and I made sure I, I liked them too, but it was a nice place to know. Like I knew that I had a starting ground there. And yeah, the other thing that you pointed out, Joe, which I want to reemphasize is getting familiar with your state's provisions. So it this sort of this is tricky because depending on where you live, you may have access to different kinds of benefits and services with uh, families that have special needs children. So, you know, kind of go down that rabbit hole and do a lot of online searches and talk to other families because you don't know what you don't know and things are changing all of the time. So there might be a new program that just started or is going to start or it has retired. I mean, you want to know about all of these things and, and sometimes you can still get access to other states, um, uh, subsidy, not subsidies necessarily because you're not paying taxes there. But I remember re- reading about this woman whose daughter had a very um, 
she was, she had some sort of ailment and the only drug that she could really take to help her was, um, had marijuana in it. And the state that she lived in did not, um, it was not legal. So she would drive, you know, three hours to cross borders to get this medicine for her daughter, which I think her insurance ultimately did cover, but she had to sort of figure out where to get it. And, nice. and could she get it? You know, how, how do you make it like, is it legal really to buy it even though you're not a resident? So like, that's a very small example, but this is the extent to which parents go to because they will do anything for their kids. Yeah. I, the, um, uh, plugging into different states resources and finding out what the laws in neighboring states are, I think is also, yeah, that's a huge part of solving this uh, puzzle. There's also a really great article that I came across as I was preparing for this episode on Kiplinger's website. Kiplinger is a great personal finance magazine and website. And there is an article there that's about financial planning for special needs children. Exactly what you're asking about. So I'll put that link over on my website under this episode so you can easily access it. It's a big, long URL. I won't share it, but it's basically, if you want to Google it, financial planning for special dash needs children in Kiplinger, Kiplinger kiplinger.com. Um, she'll hopefully get you there as well. So there's, there has been some literature on this, probably not enough, but I think, um, talking to experts who work in this space, other families for their advice can probably get you, uh, down some right paths, but thank you for the question. And if I learn anything else, I'll be able to, I'll be sure to share. Thanks, Joe. I can't believe we did it. Those are, those are so fun. I love, I love questions from your listeners. I love it too. I, I love um, hearing about what's on their money minds, what their needs are. And often the questions are so just, it, it, they show a level of uh, can do itness. Like they're yes. ready. They, they're, they're not like, they're not looking for handouts, you know? Yeah. Take charge. They're, they're really a, t- my audience is a very take charge audience. And I think it's that little filter in the beginning in the intro where I'm like, if you're looking to double your double coupons, <laughs> You're in the wrong place. There's no gas saving tips on this web. Although we do talk about that sometimes, but that's not really what we're here for. But it's it's exciting to feel this movement, right? To feel yes. people instead of responding to consumerism and being defensive, which is where I felt like we kind of were 10 years ago, feeling this movement of no, 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 no. I'm in the driver's seat and I'm going to decide what consumer products work for me, how I take advantage of them, you know, whether I use 0% financing, buy a used car, whether I lease it. Like that's not, that's not even where we're starting. We're starting with where's my life going and then how do I plug these things in the right way? That's just powerful. It's so exciting. It's really exciting. It's really empowering. And thanks to people like you who are helping us stay accountable and stay informed. Really appreciate it. And congrats on your tour. Good luck with everything. Well, thanks. I don't know about all that. We're just trying to make ourselves laugh, but (laughs) but if we can take people with us, that's a deal. Did you know that comedy is the, is like the, Right now, it's there's so much growth. I think it's the fastest growing um, segment of entertainment right now. Is it really? With a lot of diversity emerging within the comedy space. I don't know. Uh, I, I was drawn to it. It's been something I've always wanted to do. But uh, I did feel kind of like now was a good time because there's just so much – discussion around so many things. There's like a, a lot of fertile ground for, and people want to <laughs> laugh right now. People want to laugh because if we don't laugh, we're going to cry. Oh yeah. The news is firing. <laughs> the news is I'm not so- laughing. I'm crying. 
<laughs> right. That no, the news that I can't do it. Richie, our producer here, and I, uh, uh, we were just saying today, uh, uh, just how tired we are. Like you turn on the TV, and five minutes later, you're like, nope, I'm done. Uh, no, thank you. So I'd much rather go see Farnoosh work on her five minute set. I can't wait. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Looking forward to Stacking Benjamins live in New York City. Or even the tri-state area. That's how much I like you. I will travel to <laughs> New Jersey. <laughs> and it takes a special thing to get Farnoosh into New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> but come join us. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash tour. Please do. We'd love to see everybody out. 